little bit of review. Jesus challenges these religious leaders. They don't appreciate being challenged. As you can imagine, they're, they're thinking, hey, we're, we're it. When it comes to religion, we'll let you know. Uh, come to us. And Jesus, <laughs> he's confronting them. Whoa. The challenge is, first one, a little bit of review, verse 46. We're in Gospel of John, chapter 8. So he goes, Which of you convicts me of sin? No, I don't mean the way you interpret God's word, the traditions that you've built up. According to God's word, who can point out one sin? And of course, no one could. No one could. And so, if I tell the truth, that there's no sin in me, why don't you believe me? Why don't you open your hearts to me? So, first point on your notes, Jesus is pointing out the contradiction. You can't deny me, but you won't believe me? It just doesn't make sense. His point is so well taken, his logic so irrefutable, the Pharisees only recourse is to just resort to name-calling and bashing him and attacking him. So here we go. Verse 48. So the Jews, boy, they are... (laughs) They answered him, they said, do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan? That's the worst thing you could be called if you were a Jew living in those days, a half-breed. And you have a demon. Literally, they're saying, you are nuts. You're crazy. You're deranged. And Jesus answered, no, I don't have a demon. And I can just see him. I can feel him. He's just calm and collected. I don't have a demon. Uh, But I honor my father. And you're dishonoring me. And I do not seek my own glory, verse 50, but there is one, and that would be my Father, who seeks and judges. What does he seek? He seeks his Son's glory. He seeks my glory. He's, he is glorifying me, and he couldn't be happier with what I'm doing and the love and the mercy and the truth that I'm sharing. So, most assuredly, I say to you, verse 51, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. So Jesus responds to these insults with an incredibly bold claim. I love it. His claim is, I have the power, I have the authority, I am the Messiah, I am Christ, I am the God-man, I have come from heaven. It's another I am verse. He has the authority to say, if you keep my word, I will give to you a free gift of eternal life. Now that's pretty bold. Pretty bold. By the day's end, trust me on this one, 
Not everyone's going to open their hearts to Jesus. Not everyone's going to believe in him. But everyone is going to know exactly what his claims are and exactly what he's getting across. So, know this. The Jews came and they said to him, verse 52, we know now that you're, you have a demon. We know that you're out of your mind. You're off your rocker. You're, you know, the elevator goes up, but it doesn't go all the way to the top. And the light's on, but pretty dim, you know. And, hey, Abraham's dead. The prophets, well, they've prophesied they're dead. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death? So they have actually a good question that comes up next. Look at verse 53. So are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead? That's a great question. Problem is they don't really want the answer. The prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? Well, he will answer that question directly pretty quick, but they're not going to like his answer. Jesus answered, Now, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say, my Father, he's your God. You say you love him and you serve him. Well, if you do, you would honor me. You'd open your hearts to me, what Jesus is saying to them. Yet, verse 55, you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I I didn't know him, I'd be a liar like you. Well, they didn't appreciate that. But I do know him, and I keep his word. And Jesus is basically saying, I walk with the Father. And he would tell the disciples later, Philip, if if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Even while Jesus put on flesh and blood, he was one with the Father. They were never separated except one time on the cross of Calvary when my sins were put on his shoulders. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he did that for us, for you and for me. Isn't he an amazing God? Amen? So, I know him. I keep his word. I came to be a ransom for your sins. But they're closed in their hearts. They want nothing to do with him. He goes on, verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And then he makes another incredible statement. Look at this. He saw it. Oh, and he was glad. And the Jews then, they said to him, you're not even 50 years old. You've seen, you've seen Abraham? Come on. Are you kidding me? Well, if you know the Bible, if you're a Bible student, you go back to the Old Testament. Jesus appeared to Abraham at least three different times. A couple of them. In Genesis 18, there were three visitors who came to Abraham's tent. And if you read the text really carefully, one of the visitors spoke in the first person, was God. It was the pre-incarnate Christ who visited Abraham. 
saw him face to face, Abraham's heart was so moved by his love and his power and his glory. And if you know the story about the, the guy named Melchizedek, who's really, we don't know where he came from, we don't know much about him, but we know that Abraham paid him tithes and worshipped him. I believe it was Jesus, King of Kings, Melchizedek, the, 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 the King of Peace. And if his previous statements were bombshells, he's about to drop a nuke. Here we go. So second on your notes, starting with this next verse, this incredible verse. It's one that you ought to have highlighted underlined this can help when when there's folks that come that have been deluded they don't think Jesus is God very God show them this verse Jesus said to them most assuredly I say to you before Abraham was I am and if you know the Old Testament you know that this is the name Yahweh This is the holiest name that the Jews had for their God. It was revealed to Moses in the burning bush. Moses, take off your shoes, for this is holy ground that you're standing on. And and Moses says, well, who shall I say sent me? And he says, tell them, I am that I am sent you. Wow. So, they knew exactly what Jesus was claiming. Look at that next verse, verse 59. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so he passes by. So explosive was Jesus' claim, and so understandable exactly what he was saying. The Jews scurried around and they found rocks and they were going to just, they were going to cast the stones and they were going to take him out right then and there. What happened? Have you ever thought about that? What happened? Temporary blindness? Well, that's happened through the prophets or Paul prayed and there was temporary blindness on this guy that was that was keeping his uh, uh, the leader of the country. He was keeping him from hearing about the Lord, and so Paul said, "Let's let's put blindness on you for a while." Well, said he just blind everybody, and they they can't see, and he just makes his way. Through. Maybe did he just stop time, just freeze time? And then he's walking around while the time is frozen. Have you ever had dreams like that? Aren't they cool? I've dreamed about that. Especially when I, I was a pitcher in high school. And I would freeze time right before the ball got to the plate. And then I would move the ball down and then go back to the mound. And, okay, and swing. Whoa! Got him. Strike three. You know, I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about what did he do? Or did did he like Moses? You know, Moses just held up the rod and parted the sea. 
did he just hold up his hand? And they couldn't help themselves and they were just parted. And he walked through. Or did he disappear somehow? I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Where did he go? Well, pardon the expression, but he went just a stone's throw away when he left the temple. Okay, that takes us to chapter 9. So Jesus passed by, he passes through, and he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, teacher, <clears throat> we, have a, we have a really intellectual question that we'd like to ask you. We've been thinking about this. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So, number three on your notes. The disciples voice the foundational question of all suffering. And, and truly it is a question that all of us at one time or another, or you will in your lifetime, ask this question from the bottom of your heart. Why? But they only gave Jesus two possible options. The blindness is either re the result of the blind man's sin or number two, the result of the parent's sin. So if it was number one, they were asking, so somehow before he was born, did he sin in the womb? And the teachers, uh, the rabbis were teaching because of Genesis 25, Jacob and Esau, that yeah, it's probably because he sinned in the womb. They taught you could sin in the womb. Or number two, the rabbis also taught that according to Exodus 20, verse 5, uh, that sin affects the second, the third, to even to the fourth generation. And so, yeah, it was probably a sin of the parents. But what did Jesus say? His answer, first part of verse 3. No, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Wrong on both counts. <laughs> strike two. Be careful. Strike three, you're out. So Jesus will later reveal to his disciples something that touches on the why. But for some of us, it only brings up more questions. This is a, a tough area to deal with. John 16:33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Because in this world, what are you going to have? You're going to have tribulation. There's touches on why we go through struggles, pandemics, whatever they might be. We're in a broken world. But Jesus goes on. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And Paul talks about because of sin's tribulation when Adam bombed in the garden and its fallout that's touched every life, his life and every life since that time. Paul notes that even the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. In other words, God's creation that was created perfectly is hurting. We're all hurting. We're all going through these struggles together because we're in this broken world. But Jesus brings hope. Jesus has overcome the world. 
And we're about to see that. So, here we go. But, his answer, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God, capital G, should be revealed in him. Now, who's going to do the work? Well, Jesus is. Another clear claim to who he says he is. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. I, God the Son, must work the works of him, God the Father, who sent me, God the Son, while it is day, while I'm here with you, so that it might open your hearts that you could put your faith in me. Night is coming when no one can work. He was talking about going to the cross, being slayed on the cross for our sins, taking the penalty for our sins, being buried, reaching out to, to Hades, to paradise, taking with him those who had put their faith in him in the Old Testament times, setting them free, taking them to glory with him. And then he would, he would show himself to the believers in 40 days after he rose from the grave, he ascended uh, from the Mount of Olives. So Jesus brings hope that the works of God would be revealed in him. Verse 5, as long as I am in the world, here's another I am statement. I love this. I am light of the world. Now remember, they're standing next to this blind guy. He's not deaf. He's hearing all of this. Can you think about what might be going through his heart? Has he heard about this man, Jesus? Has he heard about the miracles, about the lepers that have been cleansed, about the deaf that have found hearing, about other blind that have been received their sight, about even those who have been raised back to life? Has he maybe heard about Lazarus? Who knows? But he's listening to all of this. Is he getting excited? Is he thinking, whoa, Jesus is talking about me. And he's saying that the works of God is going to take place. I, I think maybe his heart is beginning to go, are you kidding me? I've never seen, I've been blind from birth. And he's talking about he's the light of the world. Is he going to open my eyes? Am I going to see? I mean, he's got to be going, whoa, I can't believe this is happening to me. And verse 6, when he said these things, Jesus spits on the ground. He makes clay with the saliva. And the guy sitting there, he can't see, but he's hearing this. He's hearing the buzz of the people around him. The people are going, what's he doing? Why did he spit on the ground? Why is he, what? Now what is he doing? Well, he's putting clay on this guy's eyes, and the clay that he made, and, the, and he's feeling Jesus' touch. And he's, he's being anointed with the hands of Jesus. 
And then he said to him, Jesus said to him, verse 7, So now I want you to go, and I want you to wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. Is he going to trust Jesus and go? Oh, yeah. His faith has grown just listening to what Jesus said. All he's heard about Jesus. So he went. And of course, those that cared for him, loved him, had to take him, show him the way. And he obeyed. And he washed. And he came back seeing. Number four on your notes. The prophet Isaiah clearly stated that you will know without a doubt when the Messiah, the Christ, has come. Isaiah 29:18. The eyes of the blind shall see. This incident, this historical happening, this, this thing that the people witnessed, knowing this, is, this guy's been blind since birth, And now he can see because Jesus healed his eyes. This alone should have been enough for anyone, priest, religious leader, common person, child, for anyone to say, Jesus, you are who you say you are. So the neighbors know this. They've heard the religious leaders arguing with Jesus. They've seen Jesus trying to convince them that who he is. So they go, ho, ho, this will help them. This will help our religious leaders understand who Jesus is. Right? Well, let's see. Verse 8. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind... Is not this he who sat and begged? And some said, well, this is he. Others said, ah, it's like him. But he goes, trust me, I was blind. It's me. I'm the guy that couldn't see all my life. I'm he. And therefore they said to him, Wouldn't you want to know, what did it feel like? What, what was it like when you could see for the first time? When you could look up and you could see the smoky air. No, I mean the blue sky. <laughs> what was that like? I mean, how did it feel? When you, you, you used to hear the birds and now you could see. And you could see them flying. And you could see people. You used to kind of know what people looked like. But now you could see. What was that like? How did that happen? And he answered and said, verse 11, a man called Jesus, this Jesus that I've heard about, he made clay. I felt it. He put it on my eyes. He anointed my eyes. He said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Hey, trust me. So I went and washed and I received sight. And they said to him, where, where is he? He says, I don't know. I was blind. He did that and he took off somewhere. I didn't see where he went. I couldn't see at that time. I don't know where he is now. 
I've been listening for his voice. I've never seen him with my own eyes. And, and so here they go. They're so convinced. They're so excited. The religious leaders are going to finally get it because this man who was blind from birth, according to Isaiah, when, when the Messiah is here, when the Christ is here, when the Son of God is here, he will miraculously open eyes that have been blind. Oh, this is going to help our priests, our religious leaders. So they brought him, who was formerly blind, to the Pharisees, verse 13. But we have a problem here with the religious leaders, verse 14. It was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened the eyes. And then the Pharisees who asked him again how he had received his sight, he said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I could see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, well, well, that proves that he's not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. So here's a man born blind. Now he sees. The Pharisees says, wait a minute, and this is not the Bible that they're talking about, God's Word. It's their tradition, how they interpreted the Bible. Wait a minute. It violates statute 2482.6. It forbids making clay on the Sabbath. Are you kidding me? And of course, know this about Jesus. You've got to love this. He always healed on the Sabbath. Why would he do that? Doesn't, it, doesn't he know that it, that just makes them really upset? Yeah, he does. He relished the confrontation. Why? Nothing did more to contrast the love and the compassion of God the Father and God the Son and the callous hearts of religion, of do's and don'ts, and earning your way to heaven and being proud of how good you've become. The love of God shined through Jesus every time he did something on the Sabbath. And it made the Pharisees go, and the people would go, isn't God incredible? His love for us. Nothing did more to touch people's hearts. And they hated Jesus for it. But it caused some of the religious leaders to begin to open their hearts. Here we go. Others said, verse 16, other religious leaders. Well, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? Wait a minute. You guys aren't thinking straight. And there was a division among them. And they said to the blind man again, verse 17, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. And he said, a prophet? So verse 11, he calls the blind man, he calls Jesus, well, Jesus, the man. And now he's an honest response. Yeah, now that I think about it, and now that I'm realizing what's happened to me, this man, he must at least be a prophet. 
But the Jews, they're going, huh, well, there's got to be another explanation because this guy, this Jesus, he does work. He breaks our tradition. He breaks our rules and regulations of religion on the Sabbath. So there's got to be another explanation. Verse 18, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind. This is a trick, a parlor trick. And received his sight. Until they called the parents of him who had received his sight, verse 19, and they asked him, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered them and said, Yeah, this is our son. We know this is our son. And there's no doubt about it. He was born blind. Historical fact. Anyone who knows us can verify that fact. But the means by which he now see, we don't know who opened his eyes. He's of age. Ask him. You know, you guys talk to him. We don't want to get in the middle of this. Well, why would they not stand up for their own son? Well, verse 22, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already said that if anyone confessed that Jesus, he was the Christ, they're going to put them out of the synagogue. They're, they're going to be put out of, of religious life and family life and community life, and they'll be treated as if they're dead. They didn't exist. They'll be like lepers. And people will go, oh, I can't be around you. Get out of here. And so his parents therefore said, ask him. We don't want to get in the middle of this. They're choosing to abandon their son when he would need them the most. The blind man, this was just the beginning of the shunning and the abandonment that was coming his direction. So now he's going to have a choice to make. What would be his choice? They're going to give him a way out if he would choose the way out. So how would he handle this? So they called the man who was blind, verse 24, said to him, here's what you need to do to stay in our good graces. Just give God the glory. Okay? We know that this man is a sinner. Just agree with us. Give God the glory. All your problems will go away. Don't you dare say that this man, Jesus, healed you. This is your chance to make the smart choice, say the right thing. Boy, is the pressure on. Simply give God the glory. This problem, not a problem for you anymore. And he answered, verse 25, Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. He's, he's, he's going to know before too long. He's going to let him know that he knows. But right now he says, I can't agree with you what you're saying. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. I like this. Look at number five on your notes. The blind 